It is time to go deeper in God's Word. It's time to engage in truth. Here is Dr. Steve Ford and Pastor John Bornsheen. Well, welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is Steve Ford. I'm your co-host for today's show, along with Pastor John Bornsheen, Senior Pastor at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley, located in beautiful Colorado Springs, Colorado. This is one of our favorite times of the week, and we are so glad to be sharing it with you. We're currently in a series titled, The Top 10 Issues That Divide Christians. We started with a discussion regarding what the Bible says about how Christians should relate to our government. From there, we went on to American exceptionalism and and what that means from a, a Christian worldview. Next, we tackled the topic of social justice and the different ways it can be defined. We went on to look at what the Bible has to say on the subject and how the teachings of the Bible have shaped views on social justice even to this day. In case you missed any of them, all of these broadcasts and many more are archived on the church's website. You can find them along with other helpful information at calvaryfountain.com. Well, last week was the first installment on what will likely be a two-part series on the topic of abortion. We started by defining abortion as the deliberate termination of a human pregnancy and went on from there to discuss the opposing views of a woman's right to choose versus the sanctity of human life. And we concluded that the most likely reason we are even having this discussion regarding abortion is the impact of Christian teaching on the world. Before Christianity, we don't see much regard for the value of human life. Pastor John, I am so glad that you are here today to help us navigate this challenging topic. What can you share with us regarding what the Bible has to say about abortion? Well, thank you, Dr. Ford. It is good to be back here with you. Uh, Normally, I'm the one kicking off the program, and so today (laughs) is just so good to hear you just kind of set this whole discussion up today because it really is a topic very near and dear to my heart, obviously, when I have shared in the past about my mother's testimony, what she went through the hardships, the abuses that led to her ultimately getting pregnant multiple times, carrying out multiple abortions, and then I was the child she kept. I was the only one that she could keep, and the damage to her body that ensued thereafter, and and all of it led to this wonderful opportunity as God has worked all things to the good of those called according to his purposes for those who love him. And here I am today to be able to go to a microphone and tell the world trust in the Lord your God. God has a purpose for all life. And and so this is a very passionate subject for me. And yet I also want to be very responsible with the fact that listening today may be someone who made that unfortunate decision. And God loves you too. That's right. And he has a plan for your life. And there's wonderful restoration and hope in Jesus Christ. So this is not a message of condemnation, but rather to address the fact that culturally, that legally is the uh, rules and laws that govern our nation are put forth. We have to make sure that if we can be a voice of truth and reason in this culture, that we are always advocating for life at all stages, from the womb all the way to the grave, that all life is precious before God. So we're dealing it with this at more of a topical level, maybe from a, if you could say, let's go from the judicial level level all the way through, an executive branch level, congressional level, all the way through to local governors. And we know that we're dealing with quite a bit here in Colorado. And it goes all the way even to our own personal convictions on this subject. Are we going to take a stand for life? We can address probably over a number of weeks of how the healing is to happen biblically for those who have made a decision to take the life in the womb. but I, So I want to make sure that we're encouraging along the way, but also taking a firm position 
on a, a biblical position, not a, a perception or an opinionated right. discussion, but rather just saying, here's what the Bible says on this issue. So that at least we know from a biblical worldview perspective how we should approach a very sensitive subject like this uh, and make sure that we're doing it right and that we are taking the right position and stance on this eh, because it's loaded with a lot of emotion and people who are on one side versus the other can be very passionate sure. and and justifying their positions. But let's at least look at it from a biblical position just for a moment. Um, we talked a little bit about it last week. I set it up that when we look at the issue of abortion, it really has to do with imago dei, which is the image of God in human beings. We draw that from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 27. And while we know that theologians will debate all the finer points of that, what we can really take away is that being created in God's image means that human beings possess intellect, morality, creativity, spirituality. I mean, in short, there is something very unique in how he has created man, which gives us special value and worth, which ultimately makes abortion unacceptable because God has appointed for life. God is involved in the development of life, even in the womb. I mean, pro-life supporters say that God is active even in conception. And we can get that from Genesis chapter 29, 31 to 35, chapter 30, Ruth chapter 4, 1 Samuel 1, 19 to 20. He's also personally involved in the formation and development of the baby in the mother's womb. We see in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, for example, it reads, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. And so supporters of the pro-life position point out that the same Hebrew word used for formed, which is yatser, is the same word used of God's creation, formation of Adam, described in Genesis chapter 2, Verse 7, even Psalm 139, 13 to 14 is another passage that's often cited by pro-life advocates, very powerful, talking about God being deeply involved from a child's life at conception all the way through their life. Now, some have often tried to skew scripture. We know how this goes. Uh, They want to justify a position. So using an eisegesis way of interpretation, they will take a preconceived thought, go to the Bible, distort biblical passages or try to find ones that that best fit their worldview, as opposed to just reading it for what it says. One particular text that's often used is Genesis, excuse me, Exodus. You go to Exodus chapter 21, verses 22 to 25, and we see there, here's what it reads, and I believe this is the New King James Version. If men who are fighting hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there's no serious injury... The offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is a serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Now, some think that this minimizes human life in the womb by not seeing the fetus as a person while others find that it supports the pro-life cause through and through. And it's because when they try to translate verse 22 of that, they seem to take away that there was actually a death in the womb, not a premature live birth. And that comes from some of the original texts on that, that they're trying to really stretch the interpretation of that. The word that's used there is yatsa, and it means to come out. 
So it doesn't necessarily mean death. It would be a stretch to interpret that text meaning that there was a death in the womb. Rather, the the mother in this case has been able to give birth to a baby prematurely, and the baby is still very much alive. So that's why this was translated as that there was a fine involved, courts possibly involved. So a successful birth of the child was induced early due to this fight. And what happens here is there's a number of justifications that are used by pro-choice-minded people for abortion. But at the end of the day, listen, defending the defenseless is always the right choice. In this world, sin impacts everyone and some even more than others. But what Satan meant for evil, God can turn to good. So let's not compound sin With more sin. That's often what we find happening in our culture today. We'll even legislate it. And then that somehow justifies it. And just because we've justified or somehow legislated sin doesn't make it morally right before a holy God. We cannot remedy a sinful situation with another sinful choice. So we must choose to do what is right, even when it's hard. Christ bore all of our sin and shame upon himself when he was completely innocent because he wants us all to truly live. He set the example. And here's a couple verses, Dr. Ford, I want to add to this and get your thoughts as well. Romans 8.18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory of which shall be revealed in us in Romans 8:28 and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose so we know that he's at work even in this even when a decision has been made that took the life of a child in the womb God can restore God can heal God can bring about something glorious even out of that so this is not about uh, condemning one and saying, well, you made a choice to take your unborn child. Well, that sorry, that's the end of it. Right. There, there's no hope now. No, of course not. God is in the redemption business, in the restoration business. Even the thief on the cross still had hope. As long as there was breath in his body, God could do wondrous things, even through families who knew not the consequences of these kind of decisions. What we're talking about here is premeditated actions. We want to minimize, diffuse, and remove that as much as possible if we know that life is valuable, that God has a purpose for all life, and and we get this message out from every rooftop, across every mountain plain, that all would hear that God loves you and has a purpose for your life, then hopefully in this, we can encourage every mother out there, every father, every family going through the throes of a difficult decision would trust, wait on the Lord, and know that God can bring hope even in the midst of their sorrows. So I, I hope, Dr. Ford, that message rings loud yeah, and clear no, that on was that radio, radio wave day or today. Yeah, I think those those are some you know some of our favorite verses that you cited, and and also it's a it's a favorite passionate topic for both of us that we want people to realize when they've been caught up in some of these decisions and some of the life decisions that we make and some of the things that we experience, that nobody is beyond the redemption of Jesus Christ. It is impossible. You were saying, if you say that you cannot be redeemed, you're saying the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was not enough. It was not mm-hmm. a good enough. God dying on the cross for you was not enough. In essence, that's what we're saying when we say we are beyond redemption. That is not true. That is a lie from the depths of hell. That's a lie from Satan. This broadcast is to reach out to you to let you know how much Jesus loves you. And as we talked about in the prior episode on abortion, 
there's the ramifications in the life of the woman, the father, the mm-hmm. parents, the family. And as we mentioned, it can go on for generations, the impact. But God can heal all that. God wants to heal all that. We're here today to proclaim that that is what God wants in the life of everyone who finds themselves in this particular situation. Amen. So I think it's important as we think about the biblical worldview on abortion, actually the Christian worldview on abortion, um, how do we approach this topic in a way that honors God? I think that's, it's really important to try to think biblically. And I'm so glad that you give us the biblical quotes because we, we, we want you, all of us need to be Bereans. Don't just trust us. Go to the scriptures that we cite on this broadcast, look up these things for yourself and read them and learn about the things that we're talking about and learn what the Bible actually has to say. So when we think about Christian responses to abortion, well, one obvious response is that we remain neutral Mm-hmm. remaining neutral can be tempting for Christians who out of a desire to avoid tension, don't take a stand on issues like abortion. We understand nobody likes conflict, but abortion involves serious questions about matters of life and death. God has called us to engage culture and to use our minds to seek to understand his will in this world. Mm-hmm. We need to remember that there are sins of omission. These are sins we commit by simply not acting as well as sins of commission, sins we commit by acting. If we remain silent and neutral on crucial questions of our day, are we being the salt and light that God has called us to be? Hmm. It reminds me of a quote by the German Lutheran pastor, Martin Niemöller. It's about the silence of German intellectuals and clergy, including, by his own admission, Niemöller himself, following the Nazis' rise to power and subsequent incremental purging of their chosen targets, group after group. It reads, first they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because, well, I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. Hmm. So the alternative to remaining neutral is obviously for us to take action. J. Carl Laney, a professor of biblical literature, states, Christians have a moral and ethical responsibility to do something about abortion. We see this in Proverbs 24, 11 to 14. Like the prophets of old, evangelical believers must cry out against social and moral injustices so prevalent today. We see this in Isaiah 10, Jeremiah 2, Ezekiel 22, and Micah 3. But we can ask ourselves, can Christians... How do we we approach this? What can we really do about abortion? It's such a big topic. Well, here are some things that we can do to address this issue. Because it is a significant issue of our time, we should seek to understand it and not be afraid to engage in calm discussions of the issue with those who are in favor of it. We should take seriously the biblical insights on abortion, as well as key theological principles such as, John mentioned, the image of God, the Imago Dei, and human beings. We should not neglect the power of prayer when it comes to the issue of abortion. I would say nothing is more important than the power of prayer as well as the issues of getting along with one another, especially within the body of Christ. We should make sure that every woman considering abortion receives the wise biblical counsel she deserves, and every woman should be made aware of far less drastic alternatives, for example, adoption or keeping the child. We need to support our local pregnancy centers like Life Network here in Colorado Springs or the Rocky Mountain Life Foundation. Whatever action we decide to take, we should always be motivated by genuine Christian compassion and definitely not just the desire to win an argument. Mm. 
Well, Pastor John, as we start to wrap up this discussion, do you have some closing thoughts for us on this topic? I'm glad you asked because I, I can just imagine the listener right now that's gone through some very traumatic struggles throughout their life. And and we're going to get to that discussion, Dr. Ford, as we go through this very difficult series of talking about tough topics that can often divide believers as we examine. Next, we'll talk about pornography. We'll go through all these other issues that are very prevalent in our society. But when we end this series, we're going to talk about evil and, and we're going to discuss why is there evil in this world? How can God be on his throne reigning supreme and yet evil seems to run amok uh, across the face of the earth? Chaos ensuing and darkness and uh, human and sex trafficking going on. And, and I think about those moms out there who have been through some very horrific things. And they're often the case study that's used that this horrible, tragic thing has happened to this young woman. She gets pregnant and then we want to try to justify for her in some way, here's a way to end that, end that pregnancy. And by ending that pregnancy, you end the pain somehow by hitting the reset button. We're just going to discard everything associated with that trial and tragedy by creating other trials and tragedies. And we have already addressed the fact we can't use sin to cover sin. It's only the blood of Jesus Christ that covers all of our sin and, yes, even all of our shame. He's the one who tends to all of our wounds. He's the one who bears it all, puts it all on himself, and restores all the years the locusts have eaten. And I think about my own mother who was sexually abused. She was a runaway and gets in with this group that ultimately leads to her getting pregnant as they go through a lifestyle of drugs and alcohol. And anyone would have justified for her, it's okay to terminate this other pregnancy. She had already done so and experienced the tragedy, the, the heartache of it all. And yet God just so moved in her heart that she would make a choice for life. And she kept me. It wasn't easy. It was very difficult. But yet I believe that God has brought her such healing and restoration. And when you talk about these groups like Life Network or Rocky Mountain Life Foundation, that's exactly what they do. My mother went through a series of classes, Bridges of Hope at Life Network, and they ministered to her heart. They showed her the hope in Jesus Christ, the healing that comes, that she, no longer would she have to hold all of that sin and shame. And she'd been in churches for years and yet never been able to fully release that pain and always feeling a sense of unworthiness, the outcast, you know, the black sheep of the family. I'm just not, if they really knew who I was and all the burden that I was actually carrying of my past choices, they would never fully embrace me. So I'm going to pretend like everything's okay. But deep down inside, I'm a broken and wounded person is what she would probably tell herself. And I've heard her say these sort of things. And so the healing that they brought her by understanding her heart and knowing the wounds that were very real there, the ministering that took place, I could see it. She's a new person. The way she prays is different. The way she serves in church now is different. There was a release of this heavy yoke and the bondage she was under that Satan used to just keep her crippled in her walk with the Lord. And so I want all of you who are listening right now today to not think for a moment that we are bringing down this harsh condemnation on you for a decision that you had made that perhaps cost the life of your child in the womb, whom I believe is with the Lord. I believe his mercy is such 
There isn't an age of accountability that we find in Scripture, but there does seem to be traditional, as we see within the Hebrew culture, God seems to understand that delineation as we would expect him to do. He (laughs) is God. And man certainly has set some rules in place of those delineations of when a, a young boy becomes a man and a girl becomes a woman and understanding that comes with that, especially when they're being baptized and they understood what that meant and to understand what it means to be a Christian who follows after the Lord. The Lord understands the minds of men and the differentiation between child and adult. And I believe his heart is still one. Let all the little children come to me. He has such a heart for the children that comes out through the Gospels. And so I praise God that we can trust that those children are with him. And that's his heart and mercy. But then the work has to be done to tend to the broken hearts of these women and and dads who didn't know how to be dads. And my dad certainly didn't know how to be a dad. I just really got to know him just three years ago and the life of brokenness that followed in the mercy of God, even at his deathbed, where we were able to give him the gospel message. That's that's the redemption story of Jesus Christ. So all of you listening, please know there are hopes and helps out there. Life Network here in Colorado Springs, again, Rocky Mountain Life Foundation and what they do. So I, I just want you to know that if you've had an abortion, God forgives, God heals, God restores. It's all through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You don't have to bear that shame any longer. You are loved. Healing is through Jesus Christ who washes us clean. And if you're listening and you're contemplating an abortion, please know that when my wife and I were faced with such a decision like that, and let me just for a moment take you back and just a brief time I have with you left. Even though my mother made a decision for life with me and carried me all the way through, raised me up not knowing where she was going to go or how she was going to provide for me, God made a way. And she would send me off the little bus to church, and and I became a young evangelist, put all my little pictures on the refrigerator. My mother goes to church with me, and, and, and God began a healing work. And today she's the most one of the most godly women I have ever known, and I look up to my mother greatly. Later on, after I started at Focus on the Family, my wife and I, we hadn't been, I hadn't been with Focus on the Family very long, but I was surrounded by people who loved life. And Dr. Dobson at that time, he was such an advocate for life. He still is. And, and I remember being surrounded by those, those kind of people. I mean, I'm passionate for this. And my wife was diagnosed with cancer. And the doctor who was really ministering to us at that time, he was greatly concerned for my wife's well-being. He said she is advanced in her cancer. He believed that termination of the pregnancy was the only way. And surrounded by people who loved life and having seen what my mother went through and her decision to believe that God would make a way, we made a decision that we were going to see this through. God would make a way, and he did. When my wife went to give birth to our child, what was a stage three, stage four of cervical cancer was gone. Wow. The the cancer was gone. Other cancer in her body still remained, but not in her cervix. What Mm. was was no more. And she delivered a healthy, beautiful child. It was miraculous. And I'm, I still believe in a God who does miracles. Amen. He, he didn't stop in the Old Testament and That's into right. the early days of the church. He, he continues to do that. And I believe that our prayers that were changed from, Lord, just take us away from this adversity became, Lord, you tell us that if if we raise up a family that honors you, that we can stop the domino effect, the cascading effect of sin, and we can raise up children who would know you now, as you tell us to do in Deuteronomy 6 and Psalm 78, that you would bless us and you'd bless a home for generations to come, even children not yet born, that they would praise and know you. 
make a way for us to do that. And I believe he honored that prayer. And she's now been able to deliver five beautiful children <laughs> when they told us she couldn't have any children. Wow. And, and we just see them growing in a knowledge and understanding of the Lord. I just sure. want to assure you, as you're listening to this, God can make a way. Mm-hmm. He still parts the seas and That's moves right. those mountains like with a faith as small as a mustard seed. He does the impossible. And so we speak on behalf of the unborn children and to the mother going through a difficult decision. Families now trying to make difficult decisions. Trust in the Lord your God. He He can make a way, and he did it in my life, and I believe he can do it in yours as well. I know he can. Will you trust him this day? So, Dr. Ford, I want to encourage all of our listeners. I want to thank you, Dr. Ford, for your comments today, and I want to encourage all of our listeners, if you need an advocate and you just want somebody to pray with you and encourage you and guide you with the local services even, reach out to us at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. You can learn more at calvaryfountain.com. You can reach out to us there, email us, call us, and we will get you connected with all the services here in town and beyond. Wherever your family member may be, we will see this through with you. You will not be alone. I assure you of that. We worship on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m., and we would love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.